Hey everybody, it's Sarah. So we are officially entering phase three of the MCU today. And with that in mind, I'm putting a huge spoiler warning on this. And going forward, every episode is basically spoiler warning. So if you haven't seen the film or anything in phase three, be, uh, I would just tune out or skip where you can. Because we are at a point right now where we can't talk about movies in this phase without their impact on what happens later on down the line in Infinity War and Endgame especially. So just take keep that in mind. We're still recording remotely, so the audio still may not be totally 100%. We hope you guys are doing well. Make sure you're wearing a mask. Wash your hands. Check your voter registration. Vote early. And that's all I've got. Hope you enjoy this episode. Bye. There was an idea, the Avengers Initiative. That's what we do, right? Our best work after the fact. Mm -hmm. We're the Avengers. We're the Avengers, not the pre-Avengers. Okay. Right? I'm saying that both mom and dad fucked up and I want out of this family. If Falcon and Bucky is not just, you know, fuck you, fuck you more, I'm going to be really pissed. You want to talk like images that like just like pop out of a comic book. The scene of them running against each other. It's basically like the X-Men intro for one. Yes, it is. Like the last three seconds of the X-Men intro. But Hello everybody, welcome back to Preventers Assemble. This is your look back to look forward at the MCU. I'm your host, Sarah Jameson. With me as always tonight is... Patrick McMahon. For a minute, I was like, I, I was That's giving you... Well, I was giving you also benefit of the doubt because last time you forgot about your own intro. So I was like, there's a delay. It's gotta be the delay. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We're, we're jumping into phase three tonight. Before we talk about any of that, um, we're recording this on September 23rd, 2020. And if you know us at SRJ Podcast Productions, which is how you get to hear about Avengers Presemble, I Am No Man, and when there's a season of Dragula, when we cover Hello Uglies, we're all extremely fucking liberal. I'm just going to fully say this right now. And it's been a shit couple of weeks, uh, but and we're just gonna keep working back to something that we'll be talking about. But today the grand jury in Louisville uh, decided to weigh in on the Breonna Taylor case by not weighing in on the Breonna Taylor case and deciding to charge one officer with wanton endangerment for the bullets that were fired into a neighboring apartment. Y'all, I've already said on this podcast, and I've said on I Am No Man, that Black Lives Matter, but I cannot fundamentally stress how fucked up the system is toward Black people, toward minorities, toward women, toward LGBTQ folk. I cannot keep stressing this enough. So if I sound a little pissy in spots, it's, it's partially because of that. It's partially because there's a severe chance we're about to lose a critical voice on the Supreme Court and her seat is going to be filled with the antithesis of what she is. And in case you're still, you're still not keeping track and I, and you haven't checked your voter registration yet. Um, the fuckwad in the white house just basically said he's not going to commit to a peaceful transition of power. 
So that's, that's great news. That's overall just fantastic. That's, right, right. Oh. That's just like the, that's just the cherry on top of today. That's literally all I need. But hey, the governor of Missouri got COVID, so I'm ha- I'm, I'm I'm at least happy that karma does have a sense of humor. You know, I don't have, don't want to root against somebody like that, but um, let me rephrase. So Go ahead. I'm sorry. You make it so hard to not root against them. Well, it's one of those where it's like I I'm one of those girls that I don't wish death on anybody. Oh no. But karma, mm, chef's kiss to that. But let's, let's go, I, I'll finish off with this. Check your voter registration, please. Um, if you're a Marvel watcher, I would hope that you're open to like new ideas and new experiences and people, you know, getting to be exactly who they've always been or who, are, or who they're supposed to be. Check your voter registration, please, and make sure that you're voting, have a voting plan in place for November 3rd or thereabouts if you're voting absentee or by mail. So that's all I can say, and that's all I want to say because I don't want to bring down the whole podcast. Oh, wait, we still have more to talk about. Um, And I'm going to probably get real sentimental in a couple of parts of this. So we're starting phase three today with... Iron, uh, why did I say Iron Man? We're done with Iron Man movies. <laughs> wow. Huh. So, we're starting, so we're starting with Captain America Civil War. And um, obviously with it being September the 23rd, it's been about a month. Um, we, you know, 2020 just continues to take and take and take the wrong people. Um, but we lost Chadwick Boseman last month uh, to this pancreatic cancer, right? Uh, colon cancer. Colon, colon. I, I just, I just. It's, it's especially rare for somebody so young to get that. Mm-hmm. It's you don't even typically start screening for that until you're like over your the age. Or so it's, it's particularly heart wrenching, being as all of the news that came out after that that he had been living with it for four years had and gone through bulk of. Of his, his the filming that we knew him for, and mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's just it's it, devastating it, news on top of everything. Make I of mean, it, it just there's so much about it that just made me so incredibly sad. I mean, obviously he's 42. I'm 32 right now, so like anytime it's anyone under 50, I just like it. Really, it it a it makes me examine my own mortality, which I hate doing, but. but there's the other thing that got me was like he did most of his films while he was still battling cancer. And if this is true, I'm really pissed at the, at the way that the insurance industry works and how the films, the film industry works. There's a rumor out there. And I still don't know if it's true. If um, when he was doing most of his filming that the reason he didn't tell anybody that he had cancer is because the studios wouldn't have insured him. You know, when you're dealing with, with already shit systems, it wouldn't shock you at all if... Oh, completely. Well, considering that I just went back to the justice system, absolutely. Yeah, like, it's just another system that, that doesn't actually work for people. That fucks, pe- that fu- that fucks people I over. I hear that prior to you mentioning it just now. So, while I hope it is not that, I would not be in the least bit surprised that... No. It- surprised? Surprised. Sure, surprised. It's it's a word now. We're, we're, it's a word. Well, I'll just say it every now and then. I'm already the token himbo. I'll just keep going with it. <laughs> I think 
you and Colin trade that off, honestly. There's times. You know Sorry, what? Sorry, Colin. Okay. Sorry, Colin. You're not here. Oh, but while we're on the subject of himbos, y'all, we were supposed to record this episode on Sunday. Yeah, we were. Yeah, and somebody, oh. not naming names, a certain himbo got majorly drunk and kept tell- and just, it didn't happen. And I told him I was going to harass him on air for it, so... And I totally deserve it. Mm-hmm. You're lucky I like you. You're lucky I like you. I held off on most of it. But, okay. Um, obviously, when we get to Black Panther, we're going to talk Chadwick's legacy a lot more and, and the future of what could happen with that film if there should be a film c- continuation of that storyline. And... I'll be bringing, like I said, I'm bringing Sam in for that one, uh, which we will get to hopefully in the next few months. Um, the good news is, is that before I get into phase three, is that we will be caught up by the time Black Widow re- releases, because I don't know if you saw the day, Pat, they pushed it back it to May of 2021. That's not it's, surpri- just, it's not surprising, but I'm also okay with it because it means the only time that I will probably be going to a theater at, at any point the rest of this year is to see the new Bond movie unless they shorten the release window. Yes. So um, so we will be caught up by next May. Mark my words. Oh, yeah. She says now as they record like one episode a month. Um, uh, but let's... We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. But let's dive into phase three because this is really... I, like... I don't really know how to describe phase three other than, like, this is where the shit really hits the fan. It's, it's the culmination of everything that they've set up. We Correct. talked, kind of ragged on, on phase two a decent amount. Because it's a pussy-ass phase. I don't give a shit. It is. It does, it does set up a lot of the payoff that we get coming up here in Correct. subsequent movies. I'm, just, I'm getting to the point there. It's just, you know... Right, it's just their meandering. Want people to think so. that we were just needlessly ripping on something. Yeah. Give it credit where credit was due. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about the state of the MCU in 2016. So this was the first time, like we, like you were saying, like we were like moving toward the culmination. I want to say this was the first time, really, that Disney and Marvel, excuse me, Disney and Marvel really. Um, came out with like a full reveal of what was going to happen in the phase, what it was all leading up to. Cause, I remember cause I, seeing, yeah. yeah. The, tra- yeah. The, the trailer where it was still, before we had a, a name for Endgame, when it was just Infinity War Part 2. Mm-hmm. Where it was the, it, it, where, yeah, the Thanos teaser that like got leaked, allegedly. Leaked. Who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm never convinced that anything's leaked anymore. Somebody important said, here, Put this on the internet and see what happens. And make it look like make it look like you smoke. Yeah, make it, it look like an accident. Exactly. Way, make sure an intern does it so that when we fire them, we don't have to pay any insurance money. Because oh, why that? Yeah. God. Um, okay. So the big thing is studio exact tomorrow. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. So this phase, um, in addition to like laying out everything. This film, they have to lay, the Russos really lay out things in this film that ripple for the rest of this phase, all the way to Infinity War and Endgame, and all the way, just all, and even to Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, far, yeah, far From Home now that I'm thinking about it. And 
I think something else that I just now realized, like while I'm talking this out, is that every time the Russos get their hands into a Marvel movie, they manage to, in a good way, they manage to fuck things up perfectly. Uh, yes. Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, Hydra and Shield, Civil War, everything the thing that we're going to talk about with this, Infinity War, Endgame. Yes. So let's dive in. Disaster that works out in the end. Yes, 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 absolutely. Let's talk about production on this. So uh, Marcus and Marcus and McFeely, who did the screenplay for Winter Soldier, they were starting work on this screenplay in 2013. And before they, I, 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 I still don't know what the original story was, but apparently they had a different story before they decided to switch to the Civil War uh, storyline. And I, I'm, I'm, I've been looking and get and scouring the internet for what, what the up. Plan was. but I, but I haven't found anything but I do want to talk about the original civil civil war comic because let me just start this podcast off by saying this is that I love Captain America Civil War it's it's such it's an, it's an incredible film we'll get to it we'll get to it obviously discussing it but if you have read the original Civil War comic like just not even like the issues where it like spins off into like what the X-Men were doing, what Fantastic Four, da, 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 da. If you read the main Civil War storyline by Mark Miller, um, it's so, it's far better and far reaching for the entire, entire Marvel universe, primarily because they can involve the X-Men, but it really does work. It still works within the film. It's the, the, the if you have not read the graphic novel, go and read it. Like, it is so, it's just, it's incredible. It really is. If you like the movie, you will love the comic. Absolutely. And it's still, and it's still very much a Tony versus Cap thing with it, with it, with this, with a crucial Spider-Man thing in there. But it really, like, it's, and what I love in that is that, this is why I'm hoping that we get Fantastic Four and Phase Four. It's not just Tony being a villain with his own, like, moral system you also have reed richards in there as well it's it's so good i i I cannot say enough good about that how the fantastic four figured into the comic was brilliant because oh yeah it growing up in the america that we grew up in it was kind of normal to see families fall apart but Fantastic Four was always one of those families that was never going to fall apart. And I'm spoilers. I'm sorry. I'm ruining. Something. Oh, just say. Oh, oh I'm just going to put a spoil. I, I'm literally putting spoiler warnings on every single Phase Three episode, just because that's of probably how safe. How it's going, right? Yeah. To see the Fantastic Four family fall apart and In spectacular fashion. It's Sue. It's my favorite Sue Storm storyline. God, it's a mouthful. It um, is. <laughs> It's my favorite. It's my favorite Sue Storm storyline for sure. Damn you, Stanley, and your alliterative names. Mm-hmm. Made it so easy for us to remember them, but so hard for us to say them. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, like I said, if y'all don't, if y'all haven't watched, watched, if y'all haven't have not read it, go and just. It's so, so good. Like. Just amazing. And even the Civil War II storyline is good. It's not as good, but I do enjoy it. May I add a small caveat to go out and find it? Um, Yeah. And maybe patronize your local comic shop right now. Oh, please, please, because they're hurting. Don't order that on Amazon. No. I can get it for you. It may cost 
more and it might take a little longer, go and get it there. If they already have a copy for you, they'll order a copy for you. Correct. Like that's the, I was going to say, if anything you can find, at least where I go, I'll shut them out here because they know that I do this. Um, if you go to Apotheosis on South Grand, um, they will order. If, if you can, if they can find, if you can find it on Amazon, they will order it for you. Yes. So, which reminds me, also, I need to get to the uh, the ten of the ten of swords, the new X Men one. While I'm thinking about it, that's the new crossover one. Okay, but let's let's talk about production as well. Okay, this is our first introduction of Spider Man into the MCU. And thus, this is also <laughs> our first battle for the rights between Disney and Sony with how Spider-Man's used. And I just, you're just going to hear me voice my frustration at both parties. I'm not saying that Sony's right with the way they want the rights for Spider-Man done. I'm not saying that Kevin Feige and Marvel and Disney are right with this. I'm saying that both mom and dad fucked up and I want out of this family. That Like, that, that's how, like, that's literally just... That's the best way to say it. It's it, it is. I I honestly, when you're when you're dealing with money like this, I understand both parties want to keep that vested interest in it because it's for Sony, that is their biggest franchise. Yes. None. Mm-hmm. Marvel, it's an integral part of the franchise that they're building. Right. So it, you I'm glad that it seems like they've they've worked things out at least for a while. I think we're going to have this fight every so often with them until it's, go back to wherever they need to go to. It's a full custody hearing. Literally every time there's a movie that they want to make, it's going to be a custody yeah. hearing. It's literally so, what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Until somebody finally just folds and correct. a really funny feeling that that's not going to happen for a while. No, no, because they're both just so stubborn right now. So let's talk about our first timers. Obviously... Uh, well, I'll, I'll circle back to Spider-Man in a minute, but obviously this is a huge film that has a lot of jumping off points for a lot of characters. So we have a decent amount of first-timers this time around. Obviously, I have to mention T'Challa, the Black Panther, played by fantastic Chadwick Boseman. I cannot picture anyone else in this role. I mean, like, I've, read, I've read the list of names on the short list, and there is literally no one else that can play this role. I wasn't terribly familiar with Chadwick Boseman before this. Um, um, he did um, 42. 42, which did, was yeah, which amazing. It, it, yes. Um, so I, I was relatively unfamiliar with him. And then after he got the role, and I think it was after this movie came out, it came out that Denzel Washington was the one that sent him to, it was Cambridge, right? Yes, he paid for his... Uh, paid for his education to, and yeah. how he's been pegged as kind of a next big actor for a long time. Correct. This was the first thing that, you know, if you're an idiot like me, you kind of came across him in. Or he really resonated with you in. Yeah, because I mean, he's, like, it's it's amazing. And it's, in hindsight, it kind of also makes sense why he, like, I was, I remember, 42, I remember him in because he was amazing in that. Then he was yeah. in Get On Up. Then he was in Get On Up. Yeah. Uh, where he played James Brown. And I was like, like, it was a joke that I made years ago and I feel bad for it now where I would say like, Oh, another black biopic. I guess Chadwick Boseman's going to be playing playing them again. But it makes a lot of sense now because if he knew he had cancer and he had a short time and he wants, like I keep, well, yeah. And we all know that representation matters. So, so 
Yeah, so he's just, he's great on this. Okay, so we're circling back around to Spider-Man, Peter Parker, played by Tom Holland. I'm gonna say this about this. Um, I feel that every iteration up until now, we had an actor who got one or the other in that um, Tobey Maguire was a great Peter Parker, but kind of a meh-ish Spider-Man. And then you had Andrew Garfield, who was a great Spider-Man, but kind of an eh Peter Parker. Like he was too, I couldn't believe that he was an awkward nerd because it's Andrew right. Garfield. He's too good looking. Then there's, t- I'm sorry, okay? Like I might be a trans lesbian at this point who's engaged, but there's something about Andrew Garfield, like even from the social network still that just lights my fire. I don't know what it is. So. No judgment here. So, but with Tom, yeah, I know. So, yeah, I know. Sometimes I say words in a funny, in a, in, a, in the right order, and they're funny. Yeah. Um. So Tom Holland, this was like his big. This is his big break. I mean, like he was in films before, like t- tiny, small shit. But this was it for him. I mean, this is literally like what got him to where he is now, and yes. he's the right mix of he's he's lit. He is Peter Parker. There's no other way for me to say it. He is. He embodies that aspect incredibly well. And he's just... He can also put on the suit and own it just as well. Not not mentioning the fact that that he also, if memory serves, didn't he do the backflips for the audition? Yes, he did. I mean, that that was... That's... that's, He's also going to be Drake in the Uncharted movie. Yeah, I heard that. There's a reason he's doing that. I'm very excited about that. Um, let's, but I just, just perfect casting. I'm going to get to more of why it's so perfect when we talk about the film itself. Our villain this time around is Helmet Zemo, Baron Hel- Helmet Zemo, if you want to talk about the actual comics, played by Daniel Bruhl, who was one of the breakout stars from Inglorious Bastards. The reason I'm bringing him up, even though he's only in this film, is he's coming back for Winter Soldier and or Falcon and Winter Soldier, if y'all didn't know that already. And I'm gonna t- I'll talk more about his aspirations, but I don't know. As a villain, he's just kind of like, eh, you know? He's not, he's not terribly imposing. No. Do love in the story, how it all came together. Because that's, oh, yeah. that's very, very much what the Baron Zemo kind of villain was, was him bringing this plan together and just executing And Agreed. he does that very, very well. Yes, absolutely, totally. Uh, in, uh, we've, we've got May Parker, Marissa Tomei. I'm gonna fully admit something. When I heard that Marissa Tomei got cast, I was one of those people who said that she's too young. You're not alone there. I'd said the exact same thing. And there's even like a, a reference line in there that I know the Russos threw in because they were all pissed. Oh yeah. yeah. They kind of own but, it. Oh yeah, and I love, I love it for that. But she really is like, out of the three Aunt Mays that we've had, I mean, don't get me wrong, Rosemary Harris was great. Sally Field was there. And I mean, Marissa Tomei just, she brings like a different light to it. And I kind of love that like, there's a lot about the Spider-Man portion of this that I love and we'll get to today. And we talk Spider-Man Homecoming as well. But yeah. Um, we have Everett K. Ross played by Martin Freeman, who 
I'm just gonna say, like, if y'all have watched Sherlock before this and then found out he was gonna be in the MCU movie, his American accent is like incredible. Especially if you if you watch like Fargo, he's amazing. Oh, it's yeah. Yeah. He was season one of Fargo, or was he season two of Fargo? He was season one of Fargo. Season two was the one with uh, Patrick Wilson, Ted Danson, and Gene Smart, which is actually my favorite season of Fargo. I get uh, to order it was in Confused. Well, the, well and, it, and, and it makes sense, though, because season one was like the present, and then season two yeah. was the 70s. Yeah. Because it, it was the same character that Keith Carradine, or whatever Carradine that was, played, played by Patrick Wilson as the young one of him. So, but yeah, I just... Uh, Martin Freeman can do no wrong in my eyes, even when he's playing literally like the most stereotypical American CIA agent. Just, yeah. Um, we have King T'Chaka played by John Ani. Uh, small role in this, but what I'll say without spoiling a whole lot for Black Panther until we get to it is this role ripples. And, and, and you kind of also, like, because you see T'Challa coming into his own in this film and in Black Panther, uh, John Ani's performance as T'Chaka uh, really has, like, a regal tone to it. I think it's what I'm trying to say. He is very stately, very... Yes, majestic. that's the word. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I guess I got the right word there. It just, he, he exudes what it means to be royalty. And in the integral scene that he is in, when he gets up to that podium into the microphone, you're listening to the goddamn king that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we also have, as one of the uh, Dora Milaje, which it pisses me off that they introduced her and then her role in Black Panther is like negligible. We have AO, played by Florence Kasumba, um, who also has one of the best lines in this film. Just, just one of the best lines. And wasn't she in the new um, Lion King? I, I have not watched it, for, uh, but I, I haven't say watched she's, it either. I'm not excited never, to watch that, to be honest no, with you. even if it's John Favreau, I'm still not excited to watch it. I'm just, we, we need, we need to have a conversation about the live action Disney at some point in time. But well, we need, to have, we need to have an, another conversation about the live action Disney filming and thanking fucking Muslim concentration camps in China. That's just a different level of... That's just a whole different level of, of you don't get it, Scott. You just don't. Uh, we do have, with, with this being our second Russo's film, we do have the, uh, we do have a community cameo. And this time it's Jim Rash, Dean Pelton, playing the MIT liaison. Basically an extent, a less pansexual, less like less kind of pervy version of the same character, basically. Basically, yes. His, I, what, what was his idea? Hot dogs that cook themselves or something like that? Hot dogs that cook themselves. Yes. Idea. Yeah. Uh, Stan's cameo, one of my top three. He plays, at the very end, he's the FedEx delivery guy who's looking for Tony Stank. Tony Stank? That's never going to get old. Tony Stank? <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. So great. One of, like, it's so quick, too, and I love it. So, yeah. in terms of our themes for Captain America Civil War, the biggest one is friends versus family. It It's literally what divides the, uh, the Avengers team up, and that's something I'll get to as well when we talk about the plot, is that we're basically talking about 
Avengers 2.5 tonight for good reason. Yes. Um, another big one, no, another big theme here that leads to the Sokovia Accords is the fallout, fallout slash damage from superhero intervention. Uh, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but this is the first film to really deal with it in the MCU about what happens after the after the big battles. What like what's the collateral damage? Because they destroyed half of New York and, in the last one, and there was basically nothing. Nobody batted an eye. Correct. But then it kept happening again and again and again. And again. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the other big thing, especially because of Tony versus uh, Cap in this one is offense versus defense, which I think is just, it's a great, it's a great way to separate the two and, and their ideas and ideals. And I think it's just great. It's, and it's what they did. In, it's what they did in the comic book and it still works here. Absolutely. So, and this being a Tony Stark film, we have Sins of the Father again. So we're never not going to have that if Tony Stark shows up in something. Yeah, well, maybe Homecoming a little bit. Um, no, not really because. No. No. Yeah, it it's in everything with Tony Stark in it. Tony Stark shows up, Daddy issues. That's pretty much just like pretty Daddy much. I hope that Robert Downey Jr. does like a, a funnier die skit or something that's just called Daddy issues. Yeah. Him reliving moments as Tony Stark, but just like talking to his therapist about how his dad fucked him up. Like that. Yeah, but uh, that's just so perfect. I love it. I love uh, it, love it, love it. Okay, so let's talk about the film itself. I know that people make fun of the Russos for their title cards. Um, I love these ones personally because I know the font and, the, and that font is Futura and these are some of my favorite title cards in the whole MCU. They're big, they're simple, they're to the point. Yes. So, we started- nothing wrong with that at all. No, you gotta know where you are and what year, where, you're, where you are, all that. Um, so let's talk about the, like, we start in Siberia in 1991, and I love this ritual of waking Bucky up. First of all, the colors in that, I don't know if it was just my TV or what, but the colors in that scene pop so well, whether it's the command book, whether it's the, ins the Winter Soldier like installation, everything just like was like vibrant. That wasn't just your TV, that's just how they shot it. And it, it looks very 60s spy thriller yes. to me. Absolutely. And, which is really at the core of what the Russos do. They do that mm -hmm. well. And right. I, it's so great. Oh god, it just it like everything just works about it. And then like it's our set it's our setup and I love that like nothing in this film is left to chance. Like if they introduce something in this film especially, it's for a reason. So them going through the the wake up sequ the sequence with the words with the trigger with the triggers, just it's perfect. And then from there we go to Lagos, uh, where we, we're on a retcon mission. Or retcon. Wow. Because I'm not tired or anything. Recon mission. Retcon is a whole other thing. Um, Wanda's role and importance in this film, especially, I love that like it's in from the start. Like she's like the first person we see outside of Siberia. And 
I, I love that she's grown into herself a little bit by now. Yes, every film that Elizabeth Olsen is in, she loses the accent a little bit more. I don't really care. That's never bothered me about how she plays the character. It's not like, it's not like Halle Berry's Storm bad, where it's literally pick an accent, pick a hairstyle. So, yeah. I, I like it. I think she does a really good job. Mm-hmm. I love that she like she doesn't ever get like funny lines, but she gets like like real world lines that are funny. Like when they're talking yes. about like watches, she goes, "You know, you know, you know, you guys know I can move stuff with my mind, right?" Yes, it like it's, it's not funny, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I love that we. Go back to Crossbones, which I know you I know you probably have notes about Crossbones. Oh yeah. I love I love this. I love the plan, and then the plan goes south because of the, of this garbage truck. Yes. Everything's great. Which I love go for real life crossbones, to be perfectly honest with you. But just mm-hmm. seeing Frank Grillo have to deal with it like that. Yeah. Like it was the perfect setup for him. Uh-huh. To, perfect yeah. setup. Best way for him to go out is like that. I Absolutely. Think. Um, my favorite thing in this whole fight is literally the ric- the ricochet from Cap Shield. Just yes. Oh, that's great. Um, as a Blues fan, I really hate that uh, Falcon named his little thing Red Wing. I really hate that for a number of reasons. Man, you're more of a Blues fan than me because I barely even registered that on my. Red Wing fan in the face day radar. So, <laughs> by the way, for those of you who listen outside of the St. Louis area, uh, that is an actual holiday in St. Louis. If we ever play Red Wings, uh, it's mm-hmm. National Punch of Red Wing fan in the face day. Yes. I just... Free to adopt this in your own cities because Red Wings fans are trash. Yeah, but they're still not as bad as, as the Bruins, and they can go fuck themselves. I, it's a year later, and I give no fucks, okay? <laughs> Nothing brought me more joy last year, and, that, and we're off topic, I don't even care. Nothing brought me more joy in the last year than Marshawn's tears. I felt like Cartman with the Tears of Unfathomable Sadness. I don't give a fuck. No, that was great. Oh, it was so good. It was even better when someone said to Gloria. <laughs> um, but let's go back to... Civil War, wow. Um, Crossbones and Cap's fight, I love that it ties us back into the fallout from Winter Soldier. Yes. And what happened to, uh, oh God, what was his name? Uh, Brock? What are we trying to- His name? Frank Grillo, what's his, like Crossbones, what's the guy's name? Uh, I should I should have came prepared. Hold on. We're just going to Google real quick. And I feel like an idiot for doing this on air. I don't even care at this point, though. We're both exhausted. It's been... We're, we're both shit. exhausted. This, this world is on fire in more ways than the obvious. Brock Rumlow. Okay, there we go. I had part of it. I just couldn't remember the fucking last name. Uh, Rumlow, I love... First of all, the man's, like, buried in prosthetics, which God bless. Yes. Burn prosthetics, no less. I wonder how long it took for his makeup because it looked mm-hmm. pretty intense. And 
he was in the movie for such a short period of time. I wonder if he was in makeup for like six hours to be on set for like three. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised um, if that were the case. But also, like, I love that the message about watching your back and everything totally comes back in when he trips the suicide bomb. Yeah. Which then leads Natasha to block it and redirect it, and that's the thing that changes everything. So, and it takes out the entire embassy. Well, and in a way, like, I hate to give a villain his craze due, but Rumlow got what he wanted. Yep. So He did. He really did. But let's, let's jump across the pond to Boston, MIT, where Tony's reliving the last meeting he had with his parents before they were died. I should, before they were died. I'm not going to say the thing until we get to it. But um, <laughs> even though I could have. Um, the de-aging on Robert Downey Jr. is in... If y'all have seen photos of him, like early 80s, 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, it's uncanny how close they, he looks to himself. It is. It really I, is. I think the fact that he was photographed so much in the late 80s and early 90s helped that because they were able to go in and digitally. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But, absolutely. Um, the, the scene with this, with the barf technology, um, more consequential than you think, especially with things that happen later in this phase, not even just in this movie, later in this phase. This scene, like, you want to talk about, like I said, the Russos made a film that ripples through the entire phase. They probably knew this was happening. I wouldn't be surprised if they consulted Kevin Feige and said, this is our plan for everything. This is how this is all going to tie together. And Feige was just, Mm -hmm. tell me more. Feige's probably that, just cut the checks. You know know it is. Um... (laughs) I, um, I love that we, I'm a fan of show don't tell things. Um, and I love that we learned that there's distance between Tony and Pepper from the teleprompter and his pause. Yes. I think I, like, it's, it's one of those things about this film that I really like. And it also like, when we talk about like Tony and his decision-making, Pepper's usually his conscience in, in more, in so many ways. And a lot of these decisions he's making in this film are made unilaterally, and that's part of the reason why he fucks up a lot in this film. So. It sucks when you don't have your... Sounding board. And your sounding board with you. And, you know, everybody has somebody like that in their life, and it's pretty Mm -hmm. obvious when you're not Mm -hmm. capable of making good decisions and that person's not around anymore. And that is definitely showing in heavily in this movie. So after Tony's MIT presentation, where he's waiting for the elevator, we meet the mom of one of the people killed in Sokovia. And Alfred Woodard, first of all, all y'all out there need to remember that she is just as incredible as Viola Davis, if not more in some aspects. And she's been doing this damn thing 40 years. She is in one scene in this entire movie and manages to match and devastate Tony. It's just... It's like, this is literally what gets Tony off his game. Not just other things that happen, but like her speech about what happened to her son. Just, it's, it's literally- and how he's crazy. culpable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think so, to the 
credit of Tony as a character uh-huh. and really heavy. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a kid at this point. He doesn't no. really, he's got, what's the word? Scruples now. He's not going to yes. go out and fuck people yes. over now. But Correct. it definitely, it, it hits him in a way that we've not seen him hit by anything before. Correct. Oh yeah. And, Mm-hmm. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks um, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, from here, we, t- we learn more about the fallout in Lagos, about the Wakandan ambassadors. This is really our first real Wakandan references, not just the throwaway line in Ultron uh, with Claw, but we, this is really where, like, we're bringing Wakanda into the MCU full, full stop, so. Um... I love that in the right hands, Wanda's dialogue is brilliant. I've already said this, but I'm just reading my note in that her dialogue is brilliant with Elizabeth Olsen's delivery. Like when Tony turns the TV off or Cap, I'm sorry, I was wrong on that. It's Cap turns the TV off and said that uh, you did the right thing. And she goes, really turn that back on. I'm pretty sure they're talking about me. So, yeah. Yeah. then we get a visit from Secretary of State, the other Ross, which I, it pisses me off that they're both Rosses in this film, not related, but I'm like, y'all could have just like done something different with that. I'm just very happy that Thunderbolt Thaddeus Ross is canon in the MCU. We talked about his importance in Incredible Hulk, the only other film he's been in, and how the Russos wanted to bring him into this film because people were like, oh yeah, he's still here. It and literally he, is kind of a, a bow on the, okay, we're done with Hulk. Here's, here's a continuation for that. Can you shut up about Hulk now? Yes, basically that. And he really is like the perfect government foil for this, talking about how, you know, just everything has to change because there's so much collateral damage now from what the Avengers are doing when they interfere. Um, and Not- the end... You know, they're not wrong. And literally, like, the impact of the Avengers rescues in a negative context is what sets the catalyst for the Sokovia Accords. And, in turn, not only this movie, but the rest of this phase. Like, that one scene changes so much. There's so many scenes. I mean, you're going to hear me say this a lot or or talk about this film. But this film really is a turning point. It is. This is everything. Yeah. Um, Zemo's intro, where he confronts the ex-KGB soldier and waterboards him, that is where I would, okay, like, that, that's where I was like, whoa, right? That's how you know you're, you're not just fucking with somebody average. You're, you're dealing with somebody that, that knows what the fuck they're doing. Correct, correct, correct. And then once Ross leaves, I love the fight between themselves. I love that, like, there's so much going on in this discussion, but it's like, you see kind of where the lines are starting to divide. Like who's on Tony's side, who's on Cap's side, who's kind of in the middle. Um, I'm still mad that Vision has a say in this, even though like, A, he's Tony's wingman because Jarvis, but just there's, there's so much. There's just so much where I'm like, you kind of don't really have a say. So I don't know. Yeah, human in m- most ways. So it's mm. should have would be like, come on, man. Yeah. yeah. So 
And then as if Cap doesn't need any more pressure, because, okay, let's, I think, for those who are watching this, and I mean, are watching this, I didn't keep doing that. For those who are listening to this, I'm assuming you've seen this by now. We're, gonna, we're putting spoiler warnings on there because we're decent people, but like, Tony's clearly let's sign the accords. Cap's like, no, let's take away freedoms, and everybody kind of falls where they may. But as if Cap didn't need all this added pressure, that's when he gets the text that Peggy's dead. And that's where we that's where we drop to London drop into London. This is where we learn that shit the Agent 13 is her niece. Um Sharon's speech, I would argue, is something we it's, it's literally something this I think defines, this defines phase three for me. This speech right here. It really does on so many levels. And I would argue that I would argue that people who are despairing right now or who are feeling hopeless right now um, need to go back and watch this scene. And I'm gonna pull part of the scene, I'm gonna pull part of the quotes up because I, it just, it needs to be said, really. Um, she said, compromise where you can, where you can't, don't. Even if everyone is telling you that something is wrong, something that something wrong is right. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, plant yourself like a tree, or it is your duty, I'm sorry, the page keeps like trying to go up on me. It is your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say, no, you move. And it sums up Peggy Carter to a T, and it's something that, when this film came out, this film came out in May of 2016, and those words could not have been more accurate going forward. And I keep using that as my mantra, especially as someone who's transitioning in a state and a country that, you know what, I'm, I'm at a point right now that I can't even like kneecap my, my, own, my own fears and insecurities. I, I'm living in a state, in a, a state and a country that would rather see me dead than thriving. But I've really taken those words to heart and it's kind of why I'm doing all this in spite of all this hatred. So I can get something from that speech. Y'all can get something from that speech. Check your voter registration. So our first intro to T'Challa in this film is in an amazing suit. Boy looks just like pressed into that suit. <clears throat> Meeting with Nat. And he just, I really like that he's very diplomatic to start. Like, it's kind of like a, like a, like trying to throw you off the trail for those who, you know, never read the comic books about Black Panther. Just a bit. Just a little bit, right? Right? Yeah. And then obviously shit goes lefter than left. So far left, it's right. There's an explosion in Vienna. Um, and everyone's trying to figure out who it is. The deep fake on Bucky for this is so incredible. Like, it looks like him. It's clearly not, but they did a number on him. And yes. I, I do love that even though Sharon's part of the CIA by this point, and she has orders to bring Bucky in, she's still slipping cap pieces of intelligence, which I think it's not something, like, I get so mad. There's some friends of mine who think that, oh, she's still in love with him. She's still, like, puppy dog crush. No, that's what Peggy would have done, y'all. Yes. And, and with her aunt dead, she's got to pick the mantle up. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about the romance in this film that is the bromance between 
Steve and Bucky because Steve's love for his for Bucky is so pure and it's and this, this first rescue scene is so oh just epic. You got tear gas canisters getting kicked back out. You've got flips. You've got bug out bags. You've got roof jumps. It's it's a perfect action scene, really. It really was the Russo. So are we really surprised? No, we shouldn't be. Yeah. It's just great. It just makes me so happy. And it's like, yeah. like it's it's the kind of thing you do for a friend who's more than just you're just like, eh, we go get a beer every once in a while. You do that for us, brother. For us, like, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. Um, and from there we get to the chase through like the car, the tunnels and everything. And this is really where we get our first clear look at Black Panther as well, who manages, is it here he scratches the shield? Yes. Yes. I never, for some reason, could remember when, when it happens. But, I watched it on Thursday, so it's, a, it's not quite as fresh in my head, but yeah. Uh, I think it's- Friday, Friday here, so I'm totally with you on that. Um, my favorite thing, though, I love in this whole thing, going back to like what I was saying about how vibrant it is, in these tunnels where it's like red and white and there's like police lights flashing, it's just like there's something just perfect about just the cinematography in this scene. I don't know what it is, but it just it works. Yes. Yes. Agree. Yes. So they obviously get taken in and... Meanwhile, we jump back over to the Avengers HQ where Vision's flirting is sweet, but him locking Wanda down, obviously bad. Him trying to make paprika ash and literally Wanda tastes it. And, and it's, that, it's that literally my partner can't cook thing. Yeah. Everybody has been on either side of that at one point in their, in their life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, if you're, me, if you're Wanda in that say, situation, you're like, it's okay. I'll take care of this. Don't worry. Yeah. And vision in that. And somehow I've been both of these. Uh, <laughs> there's, such a, there's such a sense of embarrassment that you're like, oh, God, what did I do? Literally, like, Brianna thinks that... Um, you could burn water? No, no. She thinks that the fish that I baked, that I literally just have to put on a... On a on a tin for on a piece of tin for or a piece of foil in a pan was good and i literally just added garlic salt to it so i'm clearly the vision in this scenario and i'm gonna and i'm gonna make my fiance salt did you add like a dash it wasn't it wasn't bad i know how to season my food okay i'm not a total monster we're close. We're close. <laughs> We're close. But I'm not a total monster. So him locking Wanda down is bad. Especially like uh, I, we could order a pizza. I'm like, why is it always pizza with y'all? Just like say you want shawarma. I don't know. But like it just it just I don't know. And I'm wondering if they're gonna address this is that. Before Postmates and DoorDash, so pizza is really the only thing you can really get delivered like that. This is true. This is true. I bet, I bet you get. I bet now you can get uh, paprikash del- delivered, like either with any of the services. So. If only I had a phone that I could check that on really quick. Oh my Keep God! T- 
Okay. So Berlin is where they, they end up going back to with everybody. And this is where the cracks really start to happen between both sides on this. And honestly, okay, you and I have talked Tony's arrogance multiple times over multiple films throughout this podcast. But this is like the moment that I cannot identify with Tony Stark at all. He comes off so arrogant and so like, like the scene where he's trying to give um, Cap the pens is so condescending. It's literally like, it is. Be, on, be on my side. Here's these pens that, here's, the, here's these pens that uh, the Truman or Roosevelt used and this is what created you. I hate that so much. It, I understand where Tony was coming from with that. However, right. you said it's arrogance and it's, it is so, this is the only way. Right. Don't do this. You're against me, which is, right. we need less of. Just first of all, first and foremost. But more importantly, it is so just a dick move. It really is. And I just, you can really tell that like, they're both digging in on their sides of what's right, what's wrong. It's like, well, what if it's like one of us next time, Tony? Well, it won't be one of us. Like, it's just literally like, I see where Tony is trying to go with this. I will never agree with his, with his motives on this. I am fully on caps. I was fully team cap, like knowing, knowing going in what was going to happen. Because literally you cannot have this, film and be on on the side of someone who would want to limit these powers. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I know but, people who are pretty hardcore on the other side. Well, those are probably the same people. And that here's the thing. I was never quite on board with Tony's end of it, but when you listen to the other people on Tony's side, yes, that's where yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with Tony, but she's got a good point over here. And, you know, Vision, I know I just said, you know, his opinion shouldn't count, but like, when you're listening to him, it's like, this is, this is as middle ground as we're going to get it. And it's like, is, is it though? Yeah. I just, uh, and then Zemo manages to come in perfectly and just fuck all the shit up. And this is really where the empire does begin to fall. You know, like, uh, Bucky starts to get triggered, which makes Cap want to get involved. And it's just, there's so much that happens in these scenes. Nat's having doubts already. And that's like, that's where I, like, I, like, I don't know why I didn't notice it, like, on the first viewing. But, like, she has doubts for, pretty much from the time Berlin starts. Yes. Like, I think one of the things that she realizes is, like, when they're trying to break Bucky out and she asks Tony if he brought his suit. And he's talking about, yeah, I've got a nice pressed one. And that's the other thing I hate. It's so cl classically Tony, though. It's mm -hmm. just, yeah, I've got a fresh press suit right here. Like, shut up. You're dealing with an actual crisis here. This isn't a joke. Uh, but he doesn't. Exactly. So, okay. Uh, the, the breakout scene is literally kind of whatever. Like, I, obviously, they're, trying, they're fighting against each other. So this is kind of like, this is kind of like the, this is the, the warm-up band before the main event. It really is. But we have to talk about the helicopter scene. So freaking great. So good. A pr practical effect, if memory serves, right? It was practical effects. Yeah. I don't 
how they did it, but it was all practical effects. It it just and it holds and it up. shows. It's one of the best. Like everyone cites this scene and the next scene that I'm obviously going to talk about. I'm going to look it up really quick. I'm pretty sure Chris Evans heard himself doing that. He did. I, I yeah. I look it up, but I'm 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 about ninety eight percent sure. So, but like. When you get to this point, like, there's only so much that CGI can do. And granted, I, granted, I know that I'm saying that, like, my favorite scene in Endgame is all CGI and stuff, and I'm kind of thinking of my own point, but whatever. Um, did, so did he hurt his arm? He reveals painful arm injury from Captain America Civil War. Yep, which means he's pulling on the helicopter. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. So from here, Zemo escapes to Russia, and we also are talking more about the Winter Soldiers and that it wasn't just Bucky. And from here, when everybody's on the run, we're back to our post credit scene from Ant-Man, where this, this would have been a lot easier two weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. And it's here that the teams really start to form, where it's like, do you have a guy? Yeah. What's your plan? You know, all of this. And then... We get to people starting to meet up with our team leaders. Leading to, and I swear to God, I, I, see, I saw it three times in theaters, and every time that fucking Queen's title card popped up, I swear to God, people just lost their shit because they, they knew it was coming. Yes. It was yeah. so, just, ah, it's great. It makes me so happy. Yeah. And as I said before, this is the Spider-Man that we deserve. I love this scene so much. It's perfect Tom Holland. And then when they go to the bed, I, I love that Tony is such a charmer. And this is the one thing I do love about Tony in this movie. He's such a charmer. He eats that ugly ass walnut date loaf, which just sounds bad to begin with. And then as soon as he's in uh, Peter's room, just like tongues it out into, into the trash can. Yeah. It's just, First, and that's exactly how you should handle it if you're being polite. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> it was just so classically Tony, too. We talked about how arrogant he is, and then he's, you know, super polite to Aunt May. Boom! Listen up, kid. We got to talk, right? <laughs> yes. And our first Tony and Peter scene is really, it's, just, it's a brilliant scene. Because, obviously, this is a relationship that grows from this moment on and out of this movie and mm -hmm. it would not work if rdj and tom holland did not have chemistry out the ass they're which so they good together which which literally i don't know if you know this um during that scene when he says I, when he says i'm gonna sit here you need to move your leg tom holland forgot like his next line so robert Downey jr kind of just improv that that part of the scene and sat down next to him I feel like I've heard that before, but I had forgotten that little little piece. All I'm, yeah, all I'm going to say is thank you, Cinema Sins, because that's how I remember it. Um, or no, Cinema Wins. Cinema Wins. Um, I was about to say, that doesn't sound like a yeah. Cinema Sins one. But apparently also, that scene is what got Tom Holland to roll. That was his audition scene. That's great. Which also, I just, I love the, uh, my favorite thing out of the whole first meeting between him and, to, uh, I, I need you to come to uh, whatever... Is it Austria? It's Germany? Germany. It's not yeah. Berlin. But it's 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 Le Leipzig. It is Germany now. Think of it. I, I can't go. I can't go to Germany. Why not? I've got homework. 
It's so classic, Peter. I just, I literally, like, uh, I lo- like, like, Peter's our precious babe, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. In, in, in the MCU, he's just, he he's too pure for this world. Yes. Um, I love that Clint returns to re-cement his mentorship with Wanda. Like, when he, when, like, when he comes in to help, help her escape. Yes. Like, it really does cement, it, it, like, it brings back to that thing that we both love from Avengers Age of Ultron, where he gives her the pep talk, she comes out, she's an Avenger, and now he's, like, reminding her that she's strong and she doesn't have to hide. Yes. Which is great, because, and I want to remind people of something before we move on to the main event. People think that, like, she threw, like, Vision underground. She didn't throw Vision anywhere. She changed his mask. And boom. Physics. Physics, y'all. So my god. Yeah. Um, we go back to we go into Le- Leipzig. Uh Cap says bye to Sharon. Sam and Bucky in the car. That's like squad goals. I love that. That scene. That look- so I may have told you this before. Uh yeah. I'm a huge for buddy cop stories. Oh god, yeah. If if Falcon and Bucky, or Captain Bucky, whatever they end up calling that show, I don't remember now. Falcon it is not Soldier. just, you know, fuck you, fuck you more. Yeah. Just totally in sync. I'm going to be really pissed. I, I want this to be like too. lethal weapon, but Marvel lethal weapon. That's Most like my just, that's, it's No, no, it's so per. It's because it's so, so... So perfect. I just, I love it so much. So. Can you scoot the seat up? No. No. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Mackie is great. Anthony Mackie is great. Okay, fun fact that I can bring up now because we're in a movie where he's in. So, not so fun in that I watch every year on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, I watch uh, When the Levees Broke, which is the Spike Lee documentary about everything that fucked up in New Orleans. And there's a professor of, like, structural engineering on there, like, through all four parts. And his name is Calvin Mackey. He's Anthony Mackey's older brother. Which is I, know he's an, I know he's a New Orleans kid because the first time I ever saw him get interviewed was when he was on the Colbert show, the, the new late night. Late, late, late night with Stephen Colbert. Yeah. And when he came out, his, his New Orleans accent was so heavy, I could barely understand what he was saying, which was not at all what I was expecting. It was one of those deals where, like, I'm, like, taken aback. I'm, like, wait. Um, Aren't aren't you supposed to be from, like, New York? (laughs) Here's my question. Was the accent so thick that it was, like, um, a what's-his-face from uh, Joe Dirt? It's not that bad. It's not oh, that. Oh, where you make it? Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, it's not. We're not. You know, but it's you. You can tell as soon as he starts talking. You go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm dealing with a Cajun. Yeah. Okay, so let me. Which, if I remember correctly, Stephen Colbert's band lead is also from New Orleans, and they had yes. a back. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I know who you're talking about, but it doesn't matter because we need to talk about 
main event, the Leipzig airport battle. The perfect scene. Okay, I'm going to say this. The reason we call this Avengers 2.5 is because this battle is better than the entire Sokovia fight. I said what I said. You are not incorrect. It's just better in every single way. The quips, the fights, the effects, the stake, all of it. And it, just, yeah. it works at, like, like, I just remember, like, I think I, honest to God, like, I'm not even, like, I'll put myself out there saying this when I saw this for the first time. I think I peed a little. Like, legitimately peed a little. Like, seeing Spider-Man in an MCU film, for one. Yes. And then Ant-Man, I had not seen Ant-Man at this point, so that was my first intro to Ant-Man. And seeing, and seeing Ant-Man just kick so much ass. Yes. Flipping, flipping that, moving everything. But for me, up until the end part of this fight, the highlight for me is still Spider-Man with Bucky and Falcon. What's the, what the hell is that? Everybody's going to give it now. That, and then uh, Spider-Man, just, you have a metal arm? That's so cool. And just playing around with it, and Bucky's like, this isn't right. <laughs> That um, Falcon talk, it's like, it's like, you ever been in a fight before, kid? There's not usually this much talking. Yeah. And to your point about why we need a Falcon Winter Soldier buddy, uh, buddy cop comedy, you couldn't have done that earlier? I yeah. hate you. Yeah. <laughs> but then we go back, then we go back to the actual battle. I mean, there's so much happening there. Clint talking, Clint missing is great i love that i love um just everything between Rhodey and cat and uh iron man in this and then yes. we get and then we get the appearance of my favorite ant-man thing which is giant man which i'm He's walking uh, around with the the whatever it's called distributor or whatever yeah yeah and i just i just there's so there the cheers in the theater especially like and I was, and then it became laughter because you don't expect Peter Parker to say "holy shit." Yeah. <laughs> and then my favorite thing still. Okay, okay, Tiny is big now. He's big now. We're coming up on the best part of this entire scene, though. Which is? Which is when Spider-Man goes. Really old movie one time. Yeah. Star Wars. Which actually, which actually is the reason that I'm calling this episode I didn't carbonate him. Because... <laughs> yes. I just, there's so much in it that just kill. like, it's so perfect. The other thing I love is, and I think we, I think I passed this, but I'll come back to it as well. You want to talk, like, images that, like, just, like, pop out of a comic book. The scene of them running against each other, it's basically the X-Men intro, for one. Yes, it is. Like the last three seconds of the X Men intro, but oh my god, just the chills—they're not stopping. Neither are we. The fact that it—they did that, something that is such a contrived thing. Nobody runs at each other like that, yeah. but the fact that it didn't feel contrived in any way, shape, or form. Nope. It's natural. It's the—they're not stopping. They're not stopping. It just—it flowed so great. Yeah. Yeah. So from here, but, uh, I love that like Cap's side is dedicated in the fact that they realize that not all of them are getting out of there. Yeah. And then Vision comes along. This, Vision 
to me, and I don't get me wrong, you'll hear me say a lot more positive things when we get to the end of this phase. Um, vision to me in this movie is what Zeus is to Greek mythology. He fucks and fucks everything up. Yeah. Because... And then Zeus comes, showed him. Yeah, literally that. Then Zeus took his dick out. Um, but Nat... Okay, let's talk about Nat for a minute, because Nat switching sides really does change everything in this movie. It does. Yeah. Another thing that could have been very contrived, but did not feel contrived at all. Exactly. Um, I'm also going to mention before we talk about how this fight ends, there's a line in here that we're going to come back to in about seven or eight movies, however many there is in, the, in this phase. Hi, I'm Clint. I don't care. I love it. I love it so much. Yes. So Vision's lack of morality here really does make things a lot worse. And, you know, they, they manage to get away and then... He takes a shot at the plane and accidentally hit, or the Quinjet and accidentally hits uh, Rhodey. And I'll be honest with you, I did not think he was going to survive this film. I honestly thought with it being Civil War that we were going to lose somebody. Did you think that we were going to lose an event to this film? When Rhodey went down, I'm like, they killed Rhodey. They killed War Machine. That's, that, I, was, I was convinced that he was done. Character, we weren't going to get any more with him. That was it. And yeah. done. I do. I, I love when Tony Lands checks on him, and he's like, you can just tell he's just bubbling with anger. Yeah. And um, lo and behold, Falcon lands next to him and tries apologizing. I do love like it's it's petty Tony, but in a good way about how, how he cares about his friend. Falcon tries to apologize, and he just blasts him. Yes. Yeah. But like I said earlier, Nat does help. Nat's switching sides helps Tony begin to break and realize what's up. And I love Tony kind of coming back. Were you, were you a double agent this whole time? I think that's just, it's great. It, it really is. Yes. And when Tony realizes about Zemo playing everybody and that he's Sokovian death squad or whatever, um, he realizes he's fucked up. I love, I do love the scene in the prison, especially with the, uh, with Ant-Man, with uh, Howard Pym said, never trust the star. Who are you? Yeah. But... but, but very but, classic Tony. Yeah, it totally is. Um, but I love, I, love it. It. I love his reaction to that. Oh, man. Oh, man. It is, it's so good. Um, so from here, we go back to Siberia, which I love that it, it, it bookends our, the film so well. Yes. Um, I love that the reunion between Steve and Tony is already, it's on shaking ground already. Like they're, like they're teaming up because they realize that they're both being played. But it doesn't last because it leads to our big reveal of the film, which anybody with eyes could have seen coming, that Bucky as Winter Soldier killed Tony's parents. And Say what you want about Robert Downey Jr.'s acting in any other film in this franchise. Watching his face, watch that video is just, it never gets not devastating. It's, it's heart-wrenching to see that. For him to painfully relive mm-hmm. his parents' death and then to realize that somebody who was his friend 
friend is the right word, but at the very least, one of his strongest allies mm -hmm. has been protecting um, the man that murdered his parents. Yeah. And also just, I mean, there's, there's just so much, like, there's so much in these, like, couple of minutes that just, uh, that is just so devastating. It's, did you know, and just, uh, did, and, like, I can't put it into words, but it's just, it's so devastating. And then Tony, who is, at this point, has been logical, even by his own standards, starts fighting with emotion, and he starts trying to basically get at Bucky. And the line for me that sticks out will always stick out. And I'm getting a little teary-eyed because it really is, it's such a brilliant scene, is where um, Tony, this won't make a difference. And he says, I don't care, he killed my mom. And just, oh, I don't care. Whatever you're paying RDJ is worth it. I, I know he took points off the back end of this film or whatever, uh, based on based on the gross. I, I, he had a really good deal for this one, but he's worth it. Yes, absolutely. And then we get to just heart wrenching upon heart wrenching, where it's Bucky and Cap versus Tony, and that's another image for me that is literally right out of the comic. From the comic, like the it looked against the yeah the, yeah the. And really playing into literally a show don't tell of defense against attack. Offense. Yep, yep, absolutely. Just everything about that fight is just, it's devastating. It really is. But I, what I do love is that T'Challa followed them. And I love that T'Challa has this moment with Zemo where he has the opportunity to kill him. But I love that in a weird way, a, T'Challa is honorable because he wants, like, the law to handle it. Um, but I love that they both lost someone. So the scene does resonate a lot more. It's not just T'Challa getting his revenge. It's him sympathizing with the villain, and I kind of like that. It's hurt people hurt other people. Yeah. And he, while he wants to hold him accountable. Fully he also understands there's, there's a bigger picture. Correct. And you fucked up, but I'm not going to make this worse. Correct. That's, that's, that's the perfect way to describe it. That's so perfect. With Tony and Cap fractured, I love that, um, I love that he, the shield goes into him and then he just drops it and then literally just like, like, I love that, like, like, again, we've talked about Cap's love for Bucky. And as he's walking off, Tony is just trying to get his goat. And even to the point, like he said, like, you, that shield doesn't belong to you. And he just, without missing a beat, he just drops the shield and walks off. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then the film ends with us not only finding out that Rhodey's alive, just needs, you know, but I'm going to... So I'm gonna use a Forrest Gump quote, and y'all can hate me for it. He just needs magic legs for the rest of his life. <laughs> I'm going to hell for making fun of the handicapped. Aren't I? Uh, okay, so. That's not the I, only reason. Yeah, that's not the only reason. Um, I do love that for as dark of how this film ends, there is a lining of hope with. Steve, Steve's letter to Cap, uh, Steve's letter to Cap, well, it's a letter to himself. Steve's letter to Tony and the cell phone. Um, 
I love that like they'll ne- they're on different sides of the issue, but I love that like they're still there when the world needs them. Yes. Uh, it's just it's perfect, and that last shot of of Steve in the prison getting ready to break everybody out is just great. Yes. So, uh, in terms of post credit scenes, Bucky goes back in the ice in Wakanda, which is great. It's our first real look at Wakanda, which we'll get a lot more of in Black Panther, obviously, and just. I love oh, well, the scene mm-hmm. of him looking out the window to the Black Panther statue. <laughs> to the statue of, of uh, is it, or is it technically Black Panther or is it a statue of the goddess Bast, the Panther goddess? Good question. I'm assuming it's probably the, the goddess. Probably. Let's be honest. Just... Oh, and while, and while we're on Wakandan things, because my brain is, our brains are like fried. Let's just be real here. But there was a line that hit so differently because after Chadwick's passing and it's in my culture death is not the end I'm like motherfucker that's gonna hit us really fucking hard every time you watch it now it's literally the Michael Scott right before it's literally uh, Michael Scott on the uh, before the episode he leaves in season 7 of well this is gonna hurt like a motherfucker yep and then in the post credit scene, we have Peter playing with a piece of Spider-Man tech from Tony Stark, which is great. And I love that the, the last thing we see is Spider-Man will return, which is great because at the time we didn't really know what was going to be going on because Disney and Sony. So, all right, let's talk, let's talk numbers and things and we're almost done. So domestic gross, uh, this, it was 400 8.1 million domestically and worldwide 745.2 million for a total of 1.153 billion dollars gross. This was the highest grossing film of 2016. It was a critical darling and some say it's better movie than uh, Avengers movie than Age Avengers Age of Ultron, which I do not disagree with. If you're talking about a great way to start a phase off because when you think about it yet Iron Man you had Iron Man 2 starting... No, no, I'm wrong. I am so wrong on that. You had Iron Man 3 starting off phase yes. 2. And um, now you have a cat film, technically with Robert Downey Jr. in it as well. I'm also noticing that every phase film he's in, every first one, because he's got You're a right. role in Black Widow. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's probably how his deal went. Oh my God, I think I just worked out a deal. Um, but this film really does, like I said, it shakes things up. Um, I just, there, I really do love this film. Is it my favorite Captain America film? No, because Winter Soldier is perfection. But this is damn close. And this, this does a lot. And it keeps your interest. It's a two and a half hour film that doesn't feel like two and a half hours at all. No, no. Every uh, minute, every... the cell phone test with my, yes. my movies. This absolutely passes the cell phone. Oh test. yeah! Like, oh you, yeah! You know, mm-hmm. look down I'm... when you're you know, close to the end, and you're like, ah, fourteen missed messages. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious if I. I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be no. I'm curious if the next film that we're going to be doing is going to pass the test. Probably not. 
No, I'm going to probably honestly be, I'll, well, I'll say it when we get to it, but you'll, I'll tell you what my plan is. But um, okay, I love this film so much. Russo Brothers have not made a bad Marvel film as far as I'm concerned. I second heartedly. So, yeah. And does my dad need to see this? Yes. There's Absolutely. so much, not just because it's an amazing film, but there is so much here that happens that changes the entirety of the MCU in this phase and beyond that just, you have to see it. There's no way yes. you can see it. So that is it for us tonight, y'all. Um, we are going to be back next time talking Doctor Strange. And I'm probably, I have a little bit of my, t- I, I have a little bit of my tincture left. My, uh, so I might be taking a sip of that and watching that and tripping balls and trying to take notes. So I'm sorry, Doctor Strange just is not one of my fave Marvel films, but I'm glad we have this podcast to make me watch this film again and pay attention and try and like figure something out, you know? So we're going to talk about it obviously with the next one. I remember being so excited for it. I was in an airport when they announced that Benedict Cumberpatch got the role and I was over the moon. You know, my mom and dad are looking at me like I'm a fucking crazy person because Benedict Cumberpatch is going to be Dr. Strange. And my parents have no idea who either one of those things are. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's fantastic. I get so excited. I see it in the theater and it just kind of, you know, I love it coming out. And it's another one of those ones that you sit with it for a while and you go, mm-hmm. was that good? Or was I just really excited about it? Exactly. And I've, I've watched it since not recently. So this is going to be a fun going into this one. Absolutely. Like there's so much of it that I just have blanked out on. So just, uh, Oh, 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 oh. So, all right. So, that is it for us tonight, y'all. Make sure that you're following us on the socials. Make sure you subscribe to us if you're listening to us on podcast stuff. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.